So I just wanted to give you a couple updates for those of you who um, maybe aren't as familiar with us and those who don't know our life journey. Um, we are, I work at Master's College and Seminary now. I um, am the Executive Operations Specialist there. It sounds more important than it is. I basically serve the President and uh, do a lot of other jobs. And I really enjoy working there. And my husband, as most of you know, is doing street-level advocacy and uh, really enjoying that ministry that God has placed him into. Uh, Kaylee, our oldest daughter, is here today with her husband, Caleb, and their four-year-old, our granddaughter, Nolan, and the two twin boys, boys, Miles and Fletcher. And it is just a delight to watch her as a mother. I I can't uh, explain it. It just swells my heart to watch her be a mom and mother those sweet babes. And uh, Allie and her husband Jacob are here, our next daughter, and they are adopting a baby in June. And we are very excited about that. And Cody, our son, who you all know is not here today, but uh, we are flying out in two weeks to his wedding in Vancouver. He is getting married, and we're very excited about that. And Rachel is just graduated from Trent University as a teacher, and she has been hired on the Peterborough Kawartha Pine Ridge Board and is teaching already. Uh, She's supply teaching, yeah. And uh, she's getting married in our backyard June 25th, so we're also very excited about that. So today is Mother's Day, and I want to honor my mom. She has always been here. You've seen her when I preach, but we had a baby shower for Allie yesterday, and uh, it just took all the stuffing out of her, and she couldn't make it today. But I want to honor her today, and uh, my mother-in-law, Diane, who is here today. You know, motherhood takes us through all stages of life. And as I watch these two ladies in my life who have been mom and mother-in-law to me, it's interesting to watch this stage of their lives when physically they can't do what they used to do as moms, but their hearts are still in the same place, and they want to do it, and it's frustrating for them. And, you know, my mom's a widow now, and that brings all different phases of life for her. But what I love about my mom, she's 85 years old and still as beautiful as ever, though she wouldn't agree with that, she is. I love you, Mom. Um, Their hearts are still the same, and their hope is still in Jesus, and that's what makes them beautiful, and they still give wisdom and love to us, so I honor both of our mothers today. I know we have a lot of moms here today, and Mother's Day brings all different emotions to us as we gather and celebrate, or maybe you don't celebrate. For some of us, it's just pure elation and joy. For others, it's grief, sorrow, maybe pain, frustration, hurt, resentment. Uh, There's moms here who maybe don't know their birth moms. There's moms here who are longing to be a mom. There's moms here who have lost their own moms. So today brings a whole variety of emotions to us. But what I want you to know is for every mom today, that every mom who stepped in to be a mom when there wasn't a mom to be had, that we honor you. We love you, see you, you're significant, and we thank you for the incredible role that you have played, that maybe you long to play, that you continue to play for the good, the bad, and the ugly that mom brings. 
So we honor you today in all the shapes and forms of Mother's Day. This morning, I want to talk to you about blessings. I thought that was a good and fitting topic for motherhood, to talk about being blessed. Sounds good. Who doesn't want to be happy and blessed? I think that's one of the things that today we uh, run after in our society. I think even in the church as Christians, we run after a happy and a blessed life. And we even throw a slant on it and say, well, that's what God wants for us. And he does want that for us. But sometimes I think we view it through a clouded perspective lens. We take verses like Jeremiah 29, 13, that if you've been in the church at all, you know that verse very well. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper and for good and, and, and uh, for a good future. But we like those verses as set aside by themselves, and we just want to run with the good things that God has for us. But sometimes we don't do it in conjunction with actual relationship with God. And we have to take those good things that God has with us, but we have to read the fullness of the scripture. Um, And if we looked further down, actually, in Jeremiah 29, in verse 13, it says, and if you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. So we can't just have the good and the blessing of God without seeking him and searching for him and finding him with our whole heart. The two go in conjunction with each other. So when we want true happiness, we find it only when we find God, too, when we're in deep relationship with him. Because we want the happy and blessed part, but it only comes with God because then regardless of our circumstances, whether they're good or bad, we can still have true happiness and joy and be blessed. And that's what we want. But it's not the temporal blessings, it's eternal ones. And that's a whole different mindset. I think, especially as moms, we want to make sure our home is happy and our family is blessed. But if we want real happiness in this life and true blessings and contentment, which I think if we look around in our society today, those are fleeting commodities. There aren't a lot of truly happy, content, blessed people Our focus has to constantly be re-reminded on what it is to be truly blessed. Because like Eve in the Garden of Eden, she had everything. Like if you really think about that, she lived in perfection. She walked and talked with God. Yet Satan came in and lied to her and said, you're not really happy. You need more. You're not really content. You're not blessed. This is what it would look like to be blessed. So we have to understand what true God blessing is. We have to know the truth. So when Satan comes in and lies and says, you're you're not happy, you need more, you're not happy, you need this to be blessed, we have to know what truth is in the word of God so we can combat his lies. We live in a day and age where material and temporal blessings are in abundance. They're the norm. I remember growing up, we never went out to eat. Anyone? If it was my birthday, I got to go out to eat, and we went to Mother's Pizza. Anybody remember Mother's Pizza? And we got these glasses that had Mother on them. I guess she was the mother in Mother's Pizza, and we got to get a root beer float. And it was a really big deal. But today, and I include myself in this, we live in abundance. We just do. It's the norm. The dollar store makes us think we're frugal shoppers. 
right? So then when hardship comes, we think it's abnormal. But John 16.33, God said, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. But we don't think that's the normal. We think it's the hardship and it's abnormal. So I want you to hear me this morning. I want to be blessed, but I want Jesus. I want the eternal. I don't want just the temporal. And for Jesus' blessings in my life, that means I have to learn how to walk through the hardship. I would love to stand up here this morning, and Pastor David and I were joking, and give you the warm fuzzy and say, Jesus loves you, it's all good, you're doing great, go home, be blessed. I want to be that person just to give you the nice, warm, fuzzy blessing, but then I would be ripping you off. I want you to go home with the blessing of God. I want you to know how to survive in this life, and you can only do it with Jesus with the things that are in here that are going to help you make it through this. This morning, I want to look at the eternal blessings, things like deep peace, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, more of Jesus, because those are the things that help you and I survive. We're going to look at um, the characteristics in the book of Matthew for a happy, rich and blessed life, and not just a blessed life, but a supremely blessed life. So if you turn in Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read from verses 3 to 11. We're reading a portion of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount goes from chapters 5 to 7, and I wish I could almost have printed it out for you today, because it's actually an instruction booklet on how to live. It's some of Jesus' most important teachings to us, I want you to go home if you have a chance and read it. It's, if you want to know how to live, go read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 to 7. It's great practical instructions on how we can live our lives and walk in the blessing of God. So we're going to read the Beatitudes. When Scott and I went to Israel a couple of years ago, we actually got to stand on the place where they feel that Jesus delivered this message, and it's a beautiful hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee. I have to say it, it was actually an incredible moment for me to stand there and realize that. So if you've been in church any length of time, and probably even if you haven't been in church, the Beatitudes and the Ten Commandments, I kind of feel like those are things you kind of know. They are probably posted in someone's house you've been in. And I feel like we become familiar with them, you know, um, blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, blessed are those who mourn. They're just kind of familiar things. You've probably, even if you haven't grown up in church, you've heard that somewhere, just like the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. The, you know, we become familiar with them, but I hope this morning you hear them anew, afresh, and they mean something to you. So beatitude, it means happy, rich, blessed. The noun actually means supreme blessedness, a state of utmost bliss. Have you ever thought of that before when you read the Beatitudes? Supreme blessedness, a state of utmost bliss. That's not where my mind has gone before when I've read the Beatitudes. So if you're a mom here today thinking, what does the Sermon on the Mount and the part about the Beatitudes have to do with Mother's Day? Well, let me ask you this. Do you want to be rich? Do you want to be happy? 
Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to be supremely blessed and lived in utmost bliss? I do. Right? So, you've come to the right place today. See, because I love being a mom. My adult children are just a pure joy. So parents of younger children, hang on. It gets better. I love spending time with my adult children. They just are, bring me great pleasure. I love being a grandmother. It's just, if you're a grandmother, you just know, right? It is amazing. I love being a wife. That guy's the best. I love being so many things in life. They are wonderful. But none of them can sustain me. None of them can fill that deep pit inside of me that aches sometimes, that just needs Jesus. He is the only one who can fill my soul to carry me through life. I need his blessing over my life or I can't make it. And we are living in a world that needs that too. So we need to know the answers, how to live a blessed life, so we can help the world around us live in that blessing. So Matthew 5, 3 to 12. God blesses those who are poor. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. And realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice or righteousness, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those who are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you, lie about you, and say all sorts of evil things against you, because you are my followers. I don't know about you, but I've been in my devotions reading the book of Matthew. It's my favorite book. And when I read that the other day, it just kind of hit me afresh. And I began to unpack it. And the, there, these are eight characteristics characteristics in the Christian's life that are instructions. God in this time has just started his ministry, and he's just called his disciples, and so he's called them around them, and he's speaking to them. He's teaching them how to live here on earth, in the earthly kingdom, as good disciples. It drove the Pharisees crazy in the teachings of the religious law, because all of these things are living right side up in an upside down world. They're, they're all against what they thought were right. They're all backwards counterculture living. So let's look at them together. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. Poor in spirit. This verse isn't talking about poverty in terms of our worldly wealth. It's talking about our spiritual state. And remember, he's talking to the disciples. There's a large crowd gathered around him, but he's speaking to the disciples. So they already know Jesus. So he's talking, and most of us in this room, I think, know Jesus. If you don't, I would love to talk to you after. But so he's talking to people who have Jesus. They've already accepted the Lord. So he's talking about our spiritual state, the state of our soul. 
The message translation says, God blesses those who are at the end of their rope. Anyone? I, I often, in today's society, feel at the end of my rope with everything that we're dealing with. He says, because when you're at the end of the, your rope, there is less of you and more room for God. I love that. See, even though we have Jesus, we have to come to the end of ourselves to fully experience him. It makes me think of Luke 18 in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. I'm going to read that to you. Verse 9 says, Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. So this is the man who thought he had it all together and was a great Christian. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, the cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I am certainly not like the tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. He beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. See, the more you and I spend in time in relationship with Jesus through prayer, reading his word, worship, gathering like this to learn, we um, begin to realize that we are the sinner, that we are poor in spirit. And it doesn't matter what we're doing outwardly. It doesn't matter that we're fasting and giving the tenth of our income like the Pharisee was. Because even if it looks right on the outside, if we're not changing inwardly, we can't walk in the blessing of God. That's what this beatitude is saying. But when we truly begin to understand the cross and the depth of what Jesus has done for you and for me, it shows us the poverty of our own spirit and that we are at the end of our rope and we need a savior. And that is such a beautiful place to be. Because as you allow Jesus to cover your poverty with his riches, with his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, it's a feeling like no other. To know his worthiness, his forgiveness, his peace, and truly walk in his blessing, there's no comparison on the planet. Nothing. Nothing like it. We're going to keep moving. Number two, God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. The message says, you're blessed when you feel like you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. To mourn is to express deep grief or sorrow. We often use this verse when someone's lost a loved one, experienced death. I don't think we've ever lived in such a time of mourning. Our culture is in such a state of sadness today. Loss over normalcy, lost over loved ones, lost over a society that practices common sense. Agree? I don't think a day goes by when we aren't struck by tragedy or we don't know sadness that affects us personally in some way. 
And we want so desperately to claim this blessing when we are mourning for God to bring comfort to our hearts in grief over loss of a loved one or tragedy. I think of the whole situation in Ukraine. And he does and he will. But the mourning Jesus is specifically referring to here is the mourning over our sin. Expressing deep sorrow or grief over our sin. See, again, we want these blessings because we feel we can relate to them. We can feel we can relate to being poor in spirit. We feel that we can relate to mourning. But we don't want to do the deep dive of the work to relate to mourning deeply over our sin. But if we can't express deep in sorrow over our sins, a whole other story. Because if we truly want to be comforted, but we're sin sick, if there's something the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in your life, and if you don't think you have anything, you might want to go ask Him. Because I know for myself, the Holy Spirit is always showing me things that need to be fixed and changed. So if you only do a little curtsy repentance, sorry, Lord, and move on. But do not express grief or sorrow over it and then walk away from that sin, not on your own, you can't do it, but through the help of the Holy Spirit, then you will never find true comfort for your soul. Comfort is a promised blessing for those who mourn over their sin because it comes with the cleansing and the removing of shame. And it brings us into freedom. Thank you, Jesus. And if, if you're not walking in that, then you haven't experienced. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. If you're still walking in shame and in bondage and not freedom, then you haven't experienced this promise. And you need to go to the Savior and mourn and grieve over your sin, and he will set you free. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful promise. Number three, God blesses those who are humble, meek, for they will inherit the whole earth. I love this beatitude. Jesus always takes what the world deems as successful and turns it upside down. So often we see humility, meekness, contentedness, and we equate it in the world as weakness. We want our rights. I am entitled to that. That's my right, and I want my pride intact. But Jesus equates weakness, humility, meekness as strength. Because those who give their lives to Jesus have surrendered everything. Everything. They have said, it's yours, Lord, and I trust you with it. I trust you to lead me, to guide me with my entire life. See, when we give up having to be right, to prove ourselves, or always need the biggest or the best, we actually begin to live a life of freedom, which allows for true humility, because we recognize who Christ is and who we are. So then when we can recognize that, we actually become the person he's called us to be, because we're not always vying for who we think we should be, or what we think is right we're actually able to be who he's called us to be. And he has not come out, called us to be demanding for our rights. And when we're able to live out who we're actually called to be, it is the best version of us because it reflects the image of Christ that we're created in. Again, 
It's a beautiful thing. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 11 says, My grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. See, it's not about our glory. It's about his glory. But sometimes we cross that line and think, I'm doing it for Jesus, but I want to be right, so I'm going to do it my own way a little bit too. But it's all about his glory. And sometimes our pride gets in the way. If you really want to learn about humility, read through the book of Proverbs. It's a beautiful um, book that teaches us how to be humble. Actually, go on and just read chapter 6 on the Sermon of the Mount. It also lays out how to live a life of humility. See, when we walk in humility, we are able to see ourselves for who we are because, and you'll begin to see a pattern here, Number one, we've already realized that we're poor in spirit and we need Jesus. Number two, we've mourned and repented of our sin. So we know what it's like to receive the forgiveness and mercy and grace of Jesus. So we're able to extend it to others. And that allows us to walk in humility. True humility is a beautiful thing. It actually makes you a joy to be around. Number four, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, righteousness, for they will be satisfied. There are so many hot topic buttons happening in society today, from politics to religion, you name it. Everybody has an opinion. But guess what? Nobody is satisfied. Do you agree with that in our society today? Nobody's satisfied, right? So let's go back and read that scripture again, because it's our authority. It's telling us how to be satisfied. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice or righteousness, for they will be satisfied. So once again, God is not talking about physical hunger for food that we can eat or thirst that we can drink. And if you actually break that down in the commentary, it's talking about someone who is dying of starvation or on the brink of death from dehydration. Dying, almost dying of starvation on the brink of a high uh, death from dehydration. When's the last time you were that desperate for Jesus? I know when I've been that desperate for food, thinking I was dying. But when is the last time you were that desperate for Jesus? He is telling us if we hunger and thirst after him, he will be the best meal we have ever eaten and we will be satisfied. See, we get so up about what is happening in our society, in the government, when we hear what's going on, when we hear the words righteousness and justice, we think, I am after that. I'm going after that. I'm going to let the whole world know what I think on Facebook because I love Jesus and I'm going to tell them. But does Jesus really know what you think? Have you taken it before him, prayed about it, found out what he thinks? See, we can get so hung up and caught up in hungering and thirsting after social issues, political issues, that we miss out what is truly important. Hungering and thirsting after Jesus. Then you will be satisfied. And when you're satisfied in Jesus, you show the world such a better reflection of, he, of who he truly is. Because can I be honest this morning and tell you something? They don't really care about your political opinion. They don't care what you think about COVID. It's just one more opinion adding to the noise that's out there. 
What they really want to see is a true reflection of Jesus. They want to see how you love your spouse. They want to see how you treat your children. They want to see you taking care of the poor, how you treat the widow, how you talk about someone when you're gathered as a group and they're not there. Are you a gossiper? That's what they want to see. That's a true reflection of who Jesus is. And you only get that by hungering and thirsting after Jesus. Psalm 42 says, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after thee. That's where we need to be to walk in the blessing of God. Number five, God blesses those who are merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one. I think it basically speaks for itself. And you can't arrive at this one if you haven't arrived at the first four. See the pattern here? God's logical. He gives this to them in logical order. As we realize our need for him, we clean up our sin, we begin. You can't show mercy if you haven't gone through the first four because you haven't been given mercy. You don't realize it for yourself. When you realize you're poor in spirit and your need for Jesus and he begins to fill you, overtake your life, you mourn and repent over your sin, turn from it and learn to walk in humility and hunger and thirst after Jesus, then you can't help but want to extend the mercy that has been so graciously been given to you. And God continues then to pour that mercy out on you. I think of Mary Magdalene, delivered of seven demons. Can you imagine that woman's life before she met Jesus? And the reputation she had, the torment she lived in. That woman was delivered, and I guarantee you, she understood mercy. And she gave it freely. If you would have met her, she would have been a merciful person. And in turn, mercy continued to be poured out on her. Do you know Jesus could have picked anybody on the planet to see him first resurrected? Who saw him first? Mary Magdalene. Don't tell me we don't serve a merciful Savior. Don't tell me that if you are merciful, he doesn't continue to pour out mercy on you. It's a beautiful thing. Whenever I am not able to show mercy to someone, I always have to do a pride check. Because it always takes me back to, I can feel it. When I cannot show mercy to someone, I can feel the Holy Spirit going. And it's like, yes. And it's like, so you're judging them. And what does Matthew, I think six or seven say? Whatever I judge them with, I'm going to be judged with the same measure. And it's almost like the Holy Spirit standing in front of me going, uh, do you want me to remind you of your sin? Do you want me to judge you with what you're judging with? And it's almost like I can see him, and it's the plank that it talks about, and it's that plank going, what? You know, and I'm knocking him down because I'm judging. And it's like, okay, you're right. I'm no better. And when the Holy Spirit puts me in my own place, then I am able to freely again give mercy because I need the mercy of Jesus in my life every day. How's your mercy meter today? Number six, God blesses those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. I love the way the message verse puts this. You are blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. 
then you can see God in your outside world. <laughs> Makes so much sense, right? We will never be sinless until we get to heaven. But we have the Holy Spirit who lives within us. He's our helper. And as we do all these steps, he helps purify our heart, helps us to walk in more victory day by day. Remember, Satan's a liar. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's going to try to mess up your pure thoughts. And that's where we fight back with the Word of God. We take verses like Psalm 51.10 and we say, God, create me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Because we can't do it on our own. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need this. It's what helps us. It tells us truth. And as we read it and speak it over our life, it changes our attitudes. It changes our motives. It changes our behaviors, our thoughts, and our hearts become pure. It's amazing. It's with the help of the Holy Spirit. We become different people. And then we get to see God in our everyday lives because our vision is spiritually clearer. So do a heart check this morning. God later on, uh, Jesus in uh, Matthew chapter 6 on the Sermon on the Mount goes on to say, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So is your treasure in Jesus? Are you looking through his lens or are you looking through your own lens? Number seven, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. You know a great, simple way to be a peacemaker? I'm not giving you maybe the most theological uh, breakdown. You might need Allison to come preach next week and do that. I'm giving you the practical one. But a great way to be a peacemaker, Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit all who listen. There's a really good practical piece of advice to be a peacemaker. Watch what comes out of here. Because most dissension and uproar is because what has come out of somebody's mouth. Not even their actions, but their words. If you want to live in the blessing of God, it says, for they will be called children of God. You want God to own you as his own? To say, that is my child? Then act like it. I'm preaching to myself too. We need to watch what comes out of our mouth. And we can only do that if Jesus has our whole heart. My life verse is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. Matthew 22, 37. Because if I can do that, if I actually am loving him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, then it changes my whole life. Because it takes a lot of work for me to do that. It's not just, oh yeah, I can love God with all my heart. So I have to keep those blinders on. I have to keep saying, I surrender everything to you, God. I love you, Lord. When, when I want to judge, I have to say, you, okay. Like, it's just a lot of work. But you know what? The more I do it, the more it becomes natural. It just becomes my everyday actions. Not perfection, but my life flow. That's what we want it to be. Go read the Gospels. Watch how Jesus acted and interacted with people on planet Earth. See how you're measuring up. Are you helping people cooperate or bringing dissension? 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that we're called to be ambassadors of reconciliation, promoting peace. 
And often that will call you to take your eyes off the circumstances and your eyes off what you know about people and your eyes on Jesus. Because Jesus loves everybody. As Scott works downtown and as we get to know these people, we cannot judge on circumstances, on what we think we know. As you begin to learn and know these people, know their stories and love them, it's a whole new ball game. Be ambassadors of reconciliation. Promote peace. Number eight. This we're going to wrap up with, and I'm going to put these two verses together. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing the right, doing right for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you, persecute you, lie about you, and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. When you begin to live your life in these beatitudes, in the footsteps of Jesus, you are going to find that not everyone agrees with you, that they don't love truth. Shocking. They don't love humility, and they don't love when you show other people mercy, that they don't feel deserve mercy. The Pharisees and religious leaders in Jesus' day hated when he spoke truth to their legalism. They hated when he showed mercy instead of keeping religious rules. Living counterculture to the world doesn't always win you friends and give you the temporal warm fuzzies. But the Beatitudes are amazing news for you and me as we live in our humanness, our weakness, and our sin. Because Jesus promises to come in and transform our lives through the cross. He allows the Holy Spirit to help us live incredibly passionate, compassionate, productive lives for him in the here and now, regardless of your circumstances. Lives that are filled with hope, these are the promises. Comfort, fulfillment, mercy, joy, peace. Whether you are walking through beautiful grandchildren being born, through weddings, or whether you are walking through losing a loved one, whether you are walking through hard times financially, in your marriage, you can have all these things regardless because you have Jesus. Not the external blessings, but the internal, internal and eternal ones. They're inward choices, inward choices, and they produce outward actions so the world can see Jesus. They make us beautiful image bearers for him because through our humility, mercy, and peace, they allow people to see Jesus in us and their beautiful blessings. And those are the blessings I want you to have today. I am far from arriving, but I can tell you right now I am living my best life. Not because of the beautiful gifts I might receive today. Not saying I have to have gifts. But, um, but because... Of regardless of my circumstances, whether good, bad, I have Jesus. He is fully in charge of my life. He cleanses me from my sin, my shame, my failures. He helps me to walk in true humility because I understand who I am. It changes my whole perspective here on earth. He allows me to see him and his perspective, his beauty and the people around me and gives me the hope of eternity. 
He satisfies the longings of my soul, my heart's desires, and he calls me his daughter. And I wouldn't trade those blessings for any temporal thing in the world. And today, I pray those blessings over you. I pray that you will go home and look at those and choose to walk those Beatitudes out so that you can live in the blessing of the Lord. Because can I tell you, you need them to survive today. You need Jesus. You won't make it. And I know you know that in this room today, most of you. But I'm telling you, if anything like me, and I have served Jesus for over 40 years, but I need him more now than ever. I need him so desperately. I need these blessings. I need him with every breath. And I, and I pray that for you too. So Father, I thank you for this house today. I thank you for every person, man, woman, mom, everybody who sits in these seats today. And God, I pray especially for every mother in this place who is feeling desperate at the end of their rope, so poor in spirit today. God, I pray they will be filled with you, that they will recognize it's such a beautiful place to be today, that they can be filled with you, that your blessing is there waiting for them. Lord, I pray each of these blessings over your people today. That God, as we walk in obedience in these instructions that what you have called us to, that we can live in such fullness, even in these difficult, dark days. God, you go on in this chapter to call us to be the light of the world, a city on a hilltop. So God, even all those hundreds of years ago, you wrote these things to allow us to walk in victory, even amidst difficult circumstances. So, Lord, I pray blessing upon every mom in this house today, Lord. I thank you for all of the wisdom that they have instilled in us, Lord. I thank you for all that they have poured into our lives. And for those whose hearts are aching today, Lord, we pray comfort over them today, Lord. For those who are walking through difficult circumstances, God, I pray as they call out to you, you would meet them where they're at. Lord, we are a thankful people today for you. We need you, Jesus. So I'm just praying, um, Lord, that you would continue to speak to us as we call on you, that you will be, continue to show us your mercy and your grace and your faithfulness. And I just pray blessing upon this house today. In Jesus' name, amen.